early in the research phase, you have to be a little careful with how you give initial ballpark pricing. When it comes to the evaluation phase, you've got to be thorough and get everything out on the table because this is when it matters the least. So that's when you want to you want to hit that component hard and you want to make sure the expectations are set really well in terms of resource investment and pricing. Welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful, both personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions. And all you have to do is fill them. Excited about today's, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some sales psychology today. And I know that's something that we've discussed throughout many of our episodes, but we're hoping to kind of take a little bit different angle today and talk about some individual things that I think make a pretty big difference. So absolutely. I mean, the psychology of a complex cell matters. We always talk about like heavy hitter cell psychology. There's books like that out there. We talk about psychology, but at the end of the day, you need to be, you need to know what your customers are thinking and feeling so you can better align to them. So this is all about alignment and to protect you from the dreaded awkward conversation. <laughs> you got to love the awkward conversation. Nobody wants to be part. No one wants to be the cause of an awkward conversation. You know, you're talking with a group of people, whether it's at work or in a social situation, somebody walks up, you know, to the, to the conversation, kind of edges their way in. You can already feel the discomfort in the group, you know, as this yep. new person gets in and this new person jumps into this conversation and just starts adding completely irrelevant information. Just like, what are they they saying? What's going on? Everybody kind of cringes. You know what I'm talking about? I I love it. I mean, it's funny, but I ask this question a lot for interviews where I ask people like, tell me about someone who is not socially aware of their environment. And everyone immediately thinks of somebody that they're like, oh, this person is not socially aware. You don't want to be that person. No, you don't. And the unfortunate truth is when you're selling stuff, you will walk into awkward situations. You know, cold calling is awkward. Cold calling into someone that wasn't expecting your call. But there are people that are very successful cold callers. They do it very well because they can take an awkward situation and make it better. Yeah. Anytime you're in in an environment that's new or you're with a group of people in a situation that's brand new, it feels awkward and it can be. You just know you need to know how to carry yourself so that you are not becoming that person that other people just want to get away from. And a lot of times in sales, we do that, not even intentionally. We alienate people because we're completely misaligned with where they are mentally and where they are in their process. And so you have to understand that psychology. Yeah, it's very similar when I think about like awkward conversations and a lot of the psychology of sales, I think of dating. Yes, Right. Dating, you know, for me, you know, not the handsomest guy around. It was always hard. You know, like, how do you get people interested? How do you have that conversation? And back when I was dating, there was no app that you could swipe on and meet people based off of that. It was you physically saw people and asked for their phone number. I know this is different for most people listening. This is like a crazy (laughs) thing. But, you know, it used to be you could talk to people in person. Yeah, right. About dating. (laughs) <laughs> but it was hard. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll give you an example of an awkward situation that happened in, in my dating world. Cause I think it's hilarious. Right. Um, and this is actually the night I met my wife. Right. Oh, so anyone, anyone, this is her, the big one. This is the big one. My wife's amazing. She's the best. If, if you know me, then you've probably heard how awesome my wife is. But, uh, the first night I met her, I was at a, a big, uh, like group gathering that with a couple buddies and we had, we were scoping it out. We were all dating. So we're like, oh man, what cute girls are here. Mm-hmm. 
And one of my buddies noticed, oh, a couple of cute girls went into this other room. I said, well, why aren't we in the other room then? So we uh, we walked into the other room. And, and of course, like back, I'm sure this still happens today, but my wife was standing in a circle of other girls mm-hmm. that she was chatting with and interrupting a circle of friends to have a conversation. Talk about awkward. It's a bold move. It's a bold move. It's a hard. Bold move. Yeah. But I was like, I need to make this happen because mm-hmm. I saw her and I was like, I cannot leave here without getting this girl's number. Mm-hmm. So I made this whole elaborate plan. I was going to walk and and like walk directly in her line of sight, pretend like I was looking down a hallway and then turn back around and make eye contact with her. And if she smiled when I smiled at her, then I felt like, okay, then I then I was in and I could go get her number. So I went and I did it. I did this whole elaborate. You know, it's funny because I was like planning it out and everything. Exactly no, but, but, but you're do. thinking through like, what is she thinking? What's going on? What's yeah. the dynamic? Like, exactly. You're, you're, you're trying to play this right. Exactly. Because you're reading the room, the situation, you're seeing what she's doing. You got to do it right. Exactly. So way uncomfortable situation, right? And and that's like sales. It's sometimes really uncomfortable, but you For just sure. do it anyway. Because if I didn't do it, who knows where I'd be with my life right now, right? right. Like my wife is everything to me. Yeah. Um, and if you don't make a cold call, you're never going to make a sale. So I make eye contact with my wife and I smile and she smiles back and I'm like, yes, she's in. I can ask for a number. So I walked over, kind of introduced, you know, introduced myself, interrupted the group a little bit and just said, hey, I think you're really pretty. I'd love to get your number, take you on a date sometime. And I'm in the middle of getting her number when another guy walks up and asks for her number. Like I'm literally in the process of putting You're like talking with her. the fourth digit in my phone. You know? And okay. and someone else walks up and, and asks for her number at the same time. And it's like you need to be socially aware of your environment, right? Like there's things that you have to do making a cold call, right? But there's there's times when it's like, do you make a cold call at midnight on a Saturday? Probably not. No, that's not what you do. You know, similarly with dating, if some gal or, you know, whatever, someone looks like they're talking to someone and getting a number already, probably don't interrupt. The best part of the story, though, is the person that asked for her number as well. Okay. I came with the guy. Oh, my God. He was part of my little group of friends or whatever. But uh, my wife being the prettiest girl there, you know, I can't blame him. Well, so. for those for those keeping score, it didn't work so well for him. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it worked out great for me. But but what I'm trying to say is like you're going to enter awkward scenarios. You're going to have those conversations and that's OK. You need to be open to having the awkward conversation, but you need to think, how can I make this as least awkward as possible moving forward? And the way that you do that is by caring about what they care about, right? So now we're leaving the dating realm behind, right? We're getting well, more We're going to come business. back to it because I do have some questions. Okay, okay. They relate to this. Maybe, right? Yeah. But Rusty, what, one thing I love about your cell psychology and the way that you teach and train when it comes to, you know, advancing a deal across the finish line is you've been able to break down. There's four key elements of what a prospect cares about in a sales cycle. And they care about different aspects of that leading up to the sales cycle itself. And I'd love Rusty for you to kind of walk our listeners through what are those four things and what, at what point do they care about each of those inside of the sales cycle? Yeah, exactly. Because when you get into sales, sometimes we get into the cliches and we love to break down cliches. Yeah, right. Sales prescription. 
One of them is always be closing. Oh, yeah. And the always be closing is, you know, it is important. You do need to be closing deals and you have the opportunity to close. It's good. You got to be closer. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a cast just about closing. But you got to be the closer, but you can't ask for things when it doesn't make sense to ask for it. So if, if you've scoped out the room, like Ron, right? Scoped out the room, made the eye contact, <laughs> received the signal of the smile, came and engaged. Fantastic. He's asking for a phone number. What if he was asking for a, a marriage at that point? How well would that have gone? Oh, man. That'd Five been... minutes into the conversation. <laughs> I want it to. You know, I'll be, be sure. Honest. Yeah. I, mean, I was like, if I could lock this girl down immediately, I would have. Right. Yeah, but that's, that's a great way to be single the rest of your life. Exactly. Right? Go, go straight for the engagement. Yeah. I mean, and but in sales, we, we think of it as always be closing. Just start trying to close. Like, when can we sign this deal? But that's like that's akin to kind of showing up to the conversation and asking something that is just completely irrelevant. Like that is not where we are. Think of a sale as kind of like somebody's pushing a, a boulder up a hill. So your prospect is pushing a boulder up a hill. And what that boulder is, is their project. And they're trying to get this project to build momentum. They're trying to, to store up energy and create energy for this project to be successful. And so they have to roll it up the hill, go through a bunch of different obstacles. You know, it's difficult. It's a lot of effort. By the time you get up to the top of the hill and there's a cliff and you can push that boulder over the cliff, that's when the project gets going. And that's when that momentum can kind of engage. And you have to realize where is my prospect in their process? Where are they in this hill? So that when you have a conversation with them, you're talking to them about something relevant. So it's kind of like that, that person who is, who would, in a social situation would ask you like crazy things. Hey, you can kick that ball over that house over there. I will give you 20 bucks, man. Yeah. <laughs> you try to close a deal and you're like, Hey, I'll give you a great discount if you can just sign it. Well, if they're in the middle of the hill, they haven't brought in other experts into the process. Their executives have not been engaged. They have an allocated budget. They haven't gone through legal negotiation. You're asking them to sign something. They can't. You could say, I'll give you a billion dollars right now to push that over the edge. They're in the middle of the hill. They can't. There's nothing they can do to get it pushed over the edge. Yep. And so the best way to be awkward when you're engaging with a company is to ask for things that are not relevant to where they are. that are not possible. And they will be nice to you just like a, a social friend circle will smile at you and say, Oh yeah. But then they talk later about how do we get rid of this guy? How do we ditch him? That's when they give you the wrong number when you're asking for the, <laughs> That's number, when they right? give you the wrong number. <laughs> like I'll call you tomorrow. You call it and it's some, you know, 85 year old woman answers. <laughs> like, hey, is this the person I got a number yesterday? Nope. <laughs> exactly. Right. So let's now figure out where we are. So how do you read the room? How do you know we are? That's the psychology of this cell. And so, Ron, you kind of asked about the four things that people care about. Yeah. Well, there are three phases to a cell. You have the research phase where they're gaining and learning and collecting information about what the potential options are. You have the evaluation phase where you're getting deep into the option that you're presenting. So if you're presenting a software solution, they're going through and they're, they're going deep line by line, every single aspect of what the capabilities are, comparisons, price comparisons, vendor comparisons, details. And then you get into the commitment phase where things are starting to get real, where we're now going to exchange money and we're going to exchange time and investment in order to deploy this new technology. It's a commitment phase. And as they progress through the cycle of research, then getting very serious in evaluation, then getting serious into commitment, there's four different factors that are essentially top of mind. 
These are the things that people are thinking about. This is the psychology of what they care about. And what they are is, what do I need? What is my need? What is the price? What is the solution? And what is the risk? So what is my problem? And what do I need? What does it cost in terms of money? But good salespeople also think in terms of time and investment. What is the solution that's going to solve this problem? And what kind of risks does that represent? And they can be upside or or downside, which means uh, an upside risk is what are the benefits? Downside risk is what are the potential risks that could really hurt the company? And those are things they care about at a different time. So let's, let's go down this path. So let me, let me ask this to start though. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people lead with solution. Absolutely. Right. They're leading with like, Oh, our products do these really cool things before that they even know there's a need that's in right. place, right? So what what would you say the most important thing to start the, the process would be? When you're in the research phase and somebody is, is in the beginning of the research phase, what's highest is actually what people need. Second highest is price. And the third highest is actually solution. And by the way, risk is not important. Yeah, because they're not... There's no risk. In yeah, there's it. nothing here. It's, yeah. it's, I'm doing a little research. I'm talking to a couple of people. Wait, what's the worst that can happen? Nothing, right? Initial conversation, initial engagement. So early in the research phase, it's all, it's all that matters. Number one important is, is need, and two is price. And let's talk about why. It's like, here's a problem I have that's an issue. And then they're trying to get a cursory understanding of, okay, here's the problem I have. Well, what does it typically cost to solve? They're just trying to understand generally what do I need and what's the potential solutions? What do they potentially cost? But they don't really care that much about the solution yet because they don't know about any of the solutions. They don't fully understand the need and what the potential solves are. So there's not a lot of focus on solution. So salespeople go into a research phase often, as you just said, and they start talking about me, the solution, which is akin to getting into a social situation and showing up and being and thinking this way. If I just talk to somebody from a social perspective and I just say, look how great I am. Look how awesome I am. They'll like me. How comfortable are you, Ron, when you meet somebody for the first time and they just start telling you about all how great they are and they don't talk about you at all or show any interest in you. They're just like, hey, I'm awesome. Look at me. I'm amazing. Does that make you want to like them? No, it makes me want to escape them. (laughs) It's like, you ditch this person. That's exactly right. Now, as a salespeople, we do that all the time. We feel like we have this pitch. So we show up and we say, here, here's what we are. Here's how great we are. If you just knew how cool we are, you'd love us. But we don't focus on what they want to talk about. And just like in a social situation, if you can align to what's important to them, which is what do you need, your needs? Let's talk about you. Let's talk about your situation. Let's talk about what's happening. And as you go and you understand and you show that you understand their need and what's happening and you take the time to align with them and help to then educate them on on solutions and paths and potentials, then that's how you progress through the research phase. And that's how you align with people better. You start by, by the need. And this requires a lot of patience, Rusty. Like there's, I've had some recent experiences with people calling and trying to sell me. And they're like immediately talking about, Hey, I'll give you a free trial. And yeah. free trial is great when I get, when risk becomes my biggest worry. Cause yeah. I don't want to spend money. Cause I've, I think it's risky to spend money if I don't know that it's going to solve my problem. Right. But I don't even have a need yet. So like at this point, I don't even want your product for free. 
If I don't have a need for it, I don't even want it for free. No, because it'll disrupt your whole life. Yeah. Implement I mean, and change everything. And you don't know what's going on. So it's not worth it even for like this whole ideology that exists out there in the world today of these free trials. Free trials are great for, you know, much further down the sell cycle. Um, but in the beginning of the sales cycle, I don't want a free trial of something that I don't think I need. That's not, yeah, that's not what we're doing here, right? That's when they're starting to move toward evaluation, okay? So if you can give them education, you can help them understand what's going on, help them understand their situation, talk to them, ask them lots of questions, figure out what's happening, give some recommendations, some stories of where we've been able to help, help them see where the solution can be, and generally what the, the costs are and the value of making that change, and you build that value, that's what you want to do early on in the research phase. And you've got to connect as a person. You've got to be able to have a, establish a human connection where they can feel like they rely on you on that research side. As you move from that first decision, which is we're, we're going to do research and I'm going to start evaluating this product, they start educating. What happens as you progress through the research phase and you get toward the end of the research phase, the value in the solution and the importance of the solution builds. The concern around price falls. And the need begins to taper down. And when solution becomes more important than the need, you move into the evaluation phase. There's a mental shift when the solution becomes more important than the need in their mind. Now, it's not, and when I say important, it's just a a, a current priority. Well, I think what happens is you start to believe the solution can solve your need. So now you want to know how it can solve it yes or what exactly am i going to get as a result or how hard is it going to be to implement or like you start to think more about the solution because now you're thinking okay i have a problem this solution can solve my problem but now i want to know deeper about the solution in how can this solve exactly my problem exactly and you also want to make sure that the solution is complete enough so you have a better good understanding of needs and potential solutions now you need to verify that it's actually going to do what's, what it said it's going to do. Yep. Now, usually at this point, you also have another shift that's happening politically that starts to increase the risk because this is also when risk becomes more important than price. Yep. Okay? And the risks, again, are not about losing money. It's time investment. It's even political capital because when you get into the evaluation phase, usually you're involving additional expertise from the company. You're bringing people from other departments and other groups to come in and contribute their expertise to the decision-making cycle. And the evaluation and the focus goes all the way up into the solution, high focus, and a lot of scrutiny is then applied to the solution. But this is also a time when people don't really care so much about price, which is really very important. So as you get into the deeper into the evaluation cycle, they are looking for new information, new things, gotchas. They're trying to find out what are all the capabilities? What are those capabilities compared to competitors? What are all the price points for each of those capabilities? Making sure it's all included, it's all apportioned. At this point, a trial would be valuable because now I'm interested in the solution and then offering up the option of a free trial to utilize the platform to look at it, to test it, or offering up things like custom demonstrations where they can see it working in their own type of use case This is where it becomes critical and important because that's what they care about the most. So when you're offering up those solutions, now they're going to bite. This is where they're the most interested in it. Now, make sense? Yeah, 100%. I mean, 
if you think about it at this point, the reason they're not worried about price isn't because they're never going to care about price again. It's just because I need to prove out that what I'm showing to my CEO or my CIO or whoever I'm bringing into this scenario, what I'm showing them can solve our problem. And the risk is more to the person here. It's not company risk. It's person risk, right? I'm, I'm putting myself politically at risk by inviting you to meet a vendor because everybody feels awkward when you're invited to meet a vendor, right? Like it's like, Hey, I threw you on this call. In fact, I did that last night. I forwarded a vendor call for that. I have later this week to um, one of our, one of my colleagues, super cool guy named Chris Thompson. I get an IM from him this morning saying, who is this and why am I meeting with them? (laughs) Right. Right. And it's because I'm, I'm introducing him. Right. And, And I can tell he, just like me, we don't like to be thrown on the call and so there's person risk here. There's political risk. Well, and the, and the relationship's starting to get serious. I mean, yeah. are you going to bring this person home to meet your family? Exactly. That's right. taking it back to dating again. That, I like that's it. That's right. That's exactly what it is. You're, you're kind of bringing this salesperson in and you got to be positioned well to, to represent yeah. well. So there's all these little risks. So you, you focus a lot on your competency. You demonstrate the capabilities of the product. You help project manage through here. You're helping to push the rock up the hill. You're contributing, you're project managing, you're adding value, you're adding consulting expertise. That plus demonstrating competency in the solution will help you to win when you're in that phase two in the evaluation phase, and it'll help you to align with your prospects really well. Now, as you get toward the middle of the evaluation phase, because risk is skyrocketing and it starts with political risk, but then it starts to go to a whole new level when it's different when you're bringing your peers in if you're bringing in people from different departments to come and contribute expertise, well, when it comes to the third decision, which is to bring in and make a recommendation of shortlisted vendors, the first recommendation coming out of this committee to senior leadership comes in the middle of the valuation phase. Like, and they bring in a VP who will be representing the project eventually to the executive team. And so now it kind of ups the ante even more because it is different than, hey, I want you to meet my friends versus I need you to meet my parents, right? Yeah. It's different. And when you bring in a a VP into the sales cycle, again, the focus is solution and price and things don't matter that much right now. Remember that price doesn't matter so much. One of the things that you want to do is you bring in and you start having conversations with the VP is they're trying to establish business case. They're trying to understand, okay, what was the entire evaluation cycle? What's going on? And what are all the things that we've discussed? And I want to get caught up on everything that everybody's recommending and why. And now we need to take the business case and now it's all about risk mitigation, which is what is the typical costs and how is this going to lead to a result? But price at this point is the lowest. And so this is where we always recommend heavily that in the evaluation phase, when things get serious, get everything out on the table, everything, every possible price component, every possible expectation you can set in terms of implementation timelines and everything. Because remember, Price is not just dollars, it's also time investment. It's also, it's also resource commitment internally. Get it out on the table because this is a time where it's actually received the most. See, early in the research phase, you have to be a little careful with how you give initial ballpark pricing. When it comes to the evaluation phase, you've got to be thorough and get everything out on the table because this is when it matters the least. So that's when you want to you want to hit that component hard and you want to make sure the expectations are set really well in terms of resource investment and pricing. 
Exactly. And it, it sets you up for negotiation at the end where when they come at you for a discount, because they will, you, you, they will at least three matter. times. Yeah, they always will. But you can use the phrase like we've already discussed this. What's changed since then? You know, like right. that's a powerful phrase to use in negotiation. But if you haven't already discussed it, you, you're cutting that out. So it opens it up for more discounts, more pricing restructures towards the end if you didn't bring it up when it didn't matter as much. Exactly. Exactly. And, and really, once that VP comes in, risk now becomes more important than the need, and the solution is still very high. But once the solution is figured out, and everybody knows exactly what it is that we're going to buy, and you start going to make a recommendation, and a business case is presented to the executive team, now it's getting set in stone in terms of what the offering is, what the solution is, and what it was all on the table. Once that happens, and expectations are financially set for budgets, and we're basically saying, this is what the solution is. This is what's going to take to invest, to, to implement. This is what the pricing will be. It goes rock solid. Like you cannot then change it unless you change it in a positive way for them. Right. So the VP then goes to represent the executive committee. And once that conversation happens, that's when risk then becomes more important than the solution. So in the evaluation phase, the solution is most important. Early on, the need is important, but then risk becomes more important toward the end of the evaluation phase. And then you cross into the decision phase, the commitment phase, when risk is now the biggest priority. And remember, it's not about losing money. You're going to redirect all kinds of resources in a company. You're changing the way a company is behaving and acting. It is a big motion when you're selling an enterprise software system or you're selling something that's complex. It is a big change in, in the way that the business is operating. And so the focus then in the commitment phase is all about risk mitigation. In fact, I call this the risk phase. That's what I call it. I like it. So on the commitment side, now that everybody is looking at potentially going in and, and contracting, this is when a good salesperson has got everything out on the table and all expectations And now you have a whole bunch of room for negotiation. But when you negotiate, you always have to give them things that they're going to want because this is when they're focusing on negotiation. They want to be able to minimize the potential risk. They want better pricing. They want better resources. They want better everything to ensure that this project will be successful. And if you can successfully in the commitment phase negotiate, give them better pricing, better terms, better situations, and it always just seems to be getting incrementally better while at the same time covering yourself by asking for more from them because they'll just drive you all the way around yep. if, you don't, if you don't balance that. But as long as you can get through the commitment phase where you can help them see the business case, it's very clear. These are the benefits of the company that outweigh the investment. Here are the costs that you can expect and it's very consistent. Here's what the implementation and everything else will be like and it's very consistent and they can see exactly what it is and it doesn't change on them and there's no red flags. You'll be able to get through that process. Now, if you make a change and you say, oh, I forgot, we have to add this extra product that's an extra 10,000. How are they going to react at that point when that risk is high? Oof, not good. Not good. I mean, have you ever seen somebody just be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you ever seen VPs just get really uncomfortable? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If they're doing this now, what are they going to do after we sign? Yep. You heard that. Yep, 100%. Because that's where their, their mindset is. Now, this is a time where you can ask for a deal. 
you can say, I will give you this if you sign by this time. And you can give them a lot of commitment. You can ask for a deal. Absolutely. You can close and go for, you know, a signature. You're, you're within striking distance. But you've got to remember that it's all good news at this point and no doubt. Yep. Yeah, I think about the commitment phase and really what comes to mind most is do your very best to make it a win-win scenario. Just focus on you want both parties walking away feeling great about this. You don't want one party walking away thinking, oh, they got me. No. Right. It's not a it's not a good way because you're you're starting. This is the marriage, right? This is this is the proposal and the the actual wedding, right? Where they sign the contract. Yeah. Now you have a whole life together. Yeah. And if you're entering the marriage with feeling like, oh, I got you here and got you there. You it, the life together is going to be much more difficult, right? And so you want to give them better deal. You want to help them out. You want to make sure they're taken care of. That should be part of your focus as a salesperson. Don't feel like, you know, that I've always thought it was interesting to talk to some salespeople and there's like this sense of pride. I didn't give them any, anything. I gave no gives at all. Right. And I'm like, well, okay. I guess that's good. And hopefully your product is awesome enough that they're still happy. But I really hope that they didn't feel what you just said to me, that I didn't get anything. I, I lost in negotiations. No, no one wants to feel like they lost in negotiations. Now, it doesn't mean you have to give away the farm in every deal, right? Like, like don't do that either, because that's still not a win-win solution. Win-win means you win as your company and the employee and the sales rep, and they win as the prospect and the new customer. That's what everyone needs to walk away feeling and experiencing through the commitment phase. And, and, the, and I completely agree. And I think the best way to do that is to make sure that whenever you're in that risk phase, nothing but positive things are coming from you, but you're also balancing it by asking them to bring commitments to the table so they feel like they're making equivalent investments but it's always a, a, a positive, a positive experience. Right. And you're working with them really well. I, I completely agree. And the last thing to kind of highlight on the commitment side is really remember psycholo psychologically, what do they care about? Need is actually the lowest. So they are least concerned about their need in the risk phase. The price is actually very important. So it's the second most important. The most important is risk mitigation. The second is price. The third is solution. And the fourth is need. So at this point, you got to stop selling. You remember how they always say that? You got you to say, hey, you got to stop selling once you've gotten a deal. You got to stop selling. Mm -hmm. The reason why that is, is because they're not concerned about the solution anymore. They're not as concerned about the merits. They're not even concerned about their needs. They are concerned about the risk of making a decision and the impact and they're concerned about price, which is essentially an extension of risk. So that's what you're focusing on at the end. That's why you make it really smooth and easy. You're collaborating, you're asking, they're giving, but you're giving, you're, you're having a very smooth experience at the end. That's what you're really looking for. And that's that long-term partnership that they're focused on and the company. And as long as you can focus on that right, you're, you're going to be successful. So just as kind of a summary, phase one, they care most about their needs. So focus on them. They care about price in terms of weighing what is the potential cost of solving that problem and you're building value of the solution as you go, but focus more on what it is that they need and matching them. And risks, don't worry about it. 
When you get to the evaluation phase, you get political risk that starts getting engaged. So risk starts to increase. But the most important at this time is solution. Second is need. The third is risk and it is increasing. And the last is, is, is price. So that's why you get everything out on the table, all expectations, all investment, everything required, get it out on the table because you're going to need to make sure that's all past you before you get to the risk phase. Once they bring in a VP and risk starts to exceed the need toward the end of the evaluation cycle, you've got to get it right. And you've got to make sure that you're, that you're helping them progress to a point of making the recommendation to the executive committee and getting it approved. Once they make a re- that recommendation and risk becomes the most important thing and solutions no longer important and price is coming back up, in that commitment phase, you've got to be focused on ensuring that everything is smooth, everything is perfect, everything you've outlined is, is playing out as expected, that the business case and everything they need is, is, is in front of them and you're highly responsive and effective and engaging. You're giving them wins, you're getting wins, it feels like a win-win situation, that's what you're looking for. Because in that phase, it's risk and price that are most important, followed by solution, and then need is last. And when you know where those, those points are, and you know how to engage with your prospect and what they, what they care about, that can help guide the conversation. And, and when you talk about things that are important to them, and you make recommendations, and you're focused on where they are, you're then helping them push the boulder over the, uh, up the hill. And when it comes to closing, you can help them push it over the edge, which we'll talk about in a different podcast. But And there's things you can do to help there, but that's really what you're trying to do to align the psychology. Love it. As always, Rusty, love hearing uh, your your thoughts and ideals around uh, sales psychology. It's been fantastic. Just want to finish up by, by letting everybody know, like we always do, you know, feel free to reach out. If you need help, if you're inside of a deal and you want some advice, you need some direction, feel free to reach out. We're happy to have some conversations with you. Um, if your company needs some direction and advice, you can reach out from that perspective as well. But thank you for listening. Thanks for paying attention. We're All right. Thanks, everybody.